Hi, Dexology. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Kyle, and I'm doing scripture reading tonight. Um, we are going to be reading out of three separate passages, Exodus 20, uh, 12, verse 12, uh, and then Ephesians um, 6, 1 through 4, and Romans 13, 1 through 2. Uh, so if you don't have a Bible, you are welcome to use one of the Bibles uh, in the pew in front of you. And then if you would like to take a Bible home with you, we have some light blue ones in the, the lobby for you to take. Um, so uh, again, it's going to be Exodus 20, 12, uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and Romans 13, 1 through 2. So I invite you to stand uh, as we read together. So Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and the, that the Lord your God is giving you. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that it, you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And Romans 13, 1 through 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Your muscles. <laughs> He's got to use his All right. All right. Steward your body. Good. Good. <laughs> All right, thanks. Um, well, I'm sorry I'm here again. <laughs> you must be like, who is this guy? Why does he keep showing up? Um, but anyway, um, I'm so glad to be here with you. And um, I was thinking about this message a lot. This is actually going to be, I, need to, I, I think it's going to be a rough message. And so let me explain to you why. Um, this fifth commandment, is interesting. And I have been thinking a lot about the order of the commandments. Like, I don't want to overstate it, but there might be reason for, like, the sequence. And maybe there's a certain priority to it. I don't want to overstate it. <clears throat> but this one about honoring your parents, it's uh, a very personal one uh, for many of you. Because our relationship with our parents can be complicated. I think everyone sort of knows what I'm getting at. And so, um, and like I said last week, there's the hard thing about the Ten Commandments, among other reasons, is there's so much to cover that um, I feel like what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically open up like a, bun- a can of worms, bunch, and then see like, okay, see you like in two months, okay? Um, And so forgive me, that's not my intention, but there's a lot to cover here. And um, the basic uh, point I want to make is the Bible is really clear that we should honor our parents, and we'll get to what that means. But today, uh, the the way I want to just walk through our brief time together is like, number one, the parent-children relationship, what it was meant to be. And then number two, what it has not been. And then number three, maybe some just first steps to take. Okay, really simple. Uh, Again, what it was meant to be, 
what it has not been for so many, and then just some applications moving forward. Okay, and so number one, what the parent relationship was meant to be. So uh, this was a favorite verse for my parents, and particularly because I come from an Asian culture, right? By the way, since I spent so much time with you, I can tell you meaningless, irrelevant, like personal stories. Um, this week, so my second son, you have to meet him someday. He, <laughs> the stuff he says, I don't know where he comes up with this stuff, but this is what happened this week. Just this is my update on my second son. We're all together as a family, and he says, uh, wait a minute, we're not white? <laughs> I looked at him, I was like, Yo, are you serious? <laughs> so anyway, like that was report this week. We we just didn't know. And so I asked him, Jordan, when you look at white people, what are you thinking? And he's like, I just thought their skin was a little lighter. <laughs> but anyway, so but I'm Asian. And I thought it, I, I should, so we explained that to our son. We're, we're Asian, um, but <clears throat> this was a favorite for my parents. Whenever we didn't want to do anything, they would say, they would open their Bibles and they would just point to honor your parents. Uh, this is pleasing for the Lord, right? And, um, you know, I would say that, you see, before we focus on the direction as children, that what we should do towards our parents, I think that this might be helpful just to take a moment to think about what this passage is saying about parents relative to their children, Okay. And notice that the verse says, honor your parents that it may go well with you in the land that you're, in the land that God is giving. And you know, those of you that are parents, or those of you that have had parents, all of us, you know what this reminds us of? And I know this sounds so basic, but it means that the way God has designed people, every human being, is that parents play a formative role. And your, your basic calling in life, one of your basic callings, if you are a parent, is to attend to your children so that their lives can go well. I know this sounds like you're like, okay, that is the great <laughs> insight. But, you know, let me share with you. I think that we don't get this. We don't. And there, again, there are so many ways we can look at this. Let me, for instance, talk to, like, share with you a recent conversation I had. So this woman called me, and uh, pastors know this. Uh, I don't know why people call us. They're not going to listen to anything we say. <laughs> but, but anyway, she called us. She goes, Pastor Paul, like, I just want to get your take on something. And so um, if I can speak broadly, she, she's had a number of children back to back, you know. And she's tried to work a, a full-time job. And to her husband's credit, he has said to her, you know, you know, like, honey, like, don't feel like you have to be super mom. Like, I, I think some women sometimes feel like I need to have a successful career, successful life at home, and all of the above. So he's actually encouraged her to work less. But this incredible, apparently, uh, work opportunity came. And so she called me, and she said, you know what? Like, I want to do it because this is going to do wonders for my career and you know, lots of money. And, um, and so I asked her, I said, but 
you know, what about your kids? And she said, uh, we're just going to hire a nanny. <clears throat> and I know this is like a super sensitive topic. Uh, I don't think that the Bible teaches anywhere that women are not allowed to work. So just, just want to be clear about this, right? But I, I said to her, I asked her, I said, I asked her a really hard question. I said, uh, do you, did you, do you want kids? And she said, yeah, yeah, but I also want this, and I also want that. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I get that impulse. But you know, sometimes a very famous uh, pastor, right, in New York City, whom we shall leave nameless, <laughs> he's a stellar pastor, okay? So um, he said something really interesting in a message. He said, sometimes when we look back at societies that would sacrifice their children, we would say, oh my gosh, like, who could do that? But he said, yeah, granted, it may no longer be on the altar where we, like, you know, we bludgeon them and then we sacrifice them. But he says, you know what, um, we still do that today, whether it's our career or whether it's our, like, personal reputation. I was a youth pastor in Philly for, like, three years, and um, it was a really good experience, a really good experience. And there was this one child, I'll never forget, who was having a lot of issues. And so his father came up to me, and he said, Hey, Pastor Paul, uh, you know my son has a lot of issues. And I said, Everyone knows your son has a lot of issues. <laughs> and he said, Listen, um, like, can you do me a favor? And I thought we were going like, to um, like come up with a plan together. You know, he goes, don't tell anyone because I want to become an elder and uh, like, you know, if people know that like, well, he's not doing too well, they might not vote for me. And I wasn't married at that time, but even then I was like, yo, <laughs> so like, who cares about like what other people think or even like your son's a mess. He, he's a hot mess and he needs you. I, you know, I actually, I said, he needs you. The church doesn't need you. And the church also says, if you can't manage your own household, you can't manage, you know, like a household, like, you know, aside from being biblical, I was just like, he needs you. He goes, he'll, you know, he'll be fine, he'll be fine, he'll be fine. God will take care of him. And I said, yeah, God will take care of him, but the ordained means that God takes care of children is through parents. You see, like, God... Yes, he will take care of children, but guess what? This is the way to do it, through parents. You know what broke my heart? Um, two years after I left Philly, I get a phone call from one of my students, and I'm just going to call him Bob, the, the troubled student. He said, Bob died yesterday. Bob died from a drug overdose. And... Um, you know, life is complicated. I, I don't want to say it was one reason or another. But my point here is that I don't think parents, like, like realize that this is your call. 
Your call is to raise your children so that to the best, you know, life is complicated, but to the best of their ability that they can prosper. And so this commandment, when it says, children, honor your parents, it's assuming the parents, you will parent your children. See, I know this sounds like so obvious, but let me ask you this question. The reason why I was thinking about this passage a lot is because the demographic like analysis at my church is fascinating. Let me tell you, like, it's a really, there are like lots of random details. Like, we have so many pastor kids, PKs at my church, a lot of missionary kids at our church. We have uh, most of our families, uh, they have at least one advanced degree. So everyone at my church basically has a master's degree and so forth. But you know what the most interesting stat is? <clears throat> so if, when you go down our, our directory, our directory, you can count every four. And I, this is not preacher hyperbole. You can count every four. Basically, dad abandoned the family. Dad um, abused the family. Or dad was present, but not at all. You see, <clears throat> like, our world would be a much better place if parents parented. And uh, like I know this sounds again obvious, but it really is true. It really is true. And I want to say this uh, to those of you that are parents, right? I think you know this. You know, our society likes to say it's quality time, right? It's quality time. But you have to know this. There is no such thing as quality time without quantity time. You see, the quality comes in the uh, quantity. And time is such a precious commodity. You know what I mean. Like, like it, it's such a precious commodity. And I was reminded of this when my first son was five. I would pick him up, and we were really busy during that time. You know, I was a full-time professor. Uh, we had just planted our church. And I wanted to be a good dad. So I, like, bought into this whole quality time. So I was very intentional about the questions I would ask him. So the uh, car ride from his uh, school to our home was about 15, 20 minutes. So I would first go through catechism questions. I got to catechize him for five minutes. Boom, boom, we got that. And then I would ask him, Christian, what's going on in your life? Anything you want to talk to him about? He was like, no, no, no. I'm good. I was like, are you sure? You know, are you struggling with anything? No, he's like, I'm good. I'm like, all right. So I felt like I was doing my job as a parent. And then my wife's like, yo. (laughs) She's like, how in the world did you get a PhD? You're so dumb. Like, I don't know. (laughs) She's like, you need to spend a lot of time with him. I'm like, no, he's doing fine. She goes, just spend time with him. Just spend lots of time with him. And so one day we were building the same Lego for like the 20th time. And it was taking about two hours. But it was about 90 minutes into the conversation where he said, hey, Dad, I have a question. And he said, my friend Tim, he has like, uh, he has two moms. He doesn't have a dad. I'm just a little confused by that. You know what my response was? I was like, how many times have I asked you if there's anything you want to ask me? <laughs> like, why now? But I was talking with my mentor about it, and he said, because, you see, this whole idea of quality time is a myth. There can be no quality without the quantity. There can't be. 
And so this is why the first, really, the big point I want to make here, and I'll get to the children part, right? But, you know, those of you that are parents, like, um, I want to encourage you. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. Um, Every sober parent jokes that my child needs therapy, right? Like, parenting is really hard, but that is one of your primary callings, right? And, uh, like, so much could be said, but I do think that this much needs to be said, that, number one, like, the quality comes with the quantity. Your kids, they need you. And because they need you, that means there has to be many things you die to. I just, I don't know how else to put it. Like, um, my kids, they're shocked. They never knew, like, I love sports. I love watching sports. And they're like, Dad, how come you never watch sports then? And I look straight at them. And they're like, Dad, Dad, Dad. <laughs> like, and and I, I told them, I love video games. I can play video games for hours upon hours. And there are so many, but I don't. Because, like, my kids, they need me. And your kids, they need you. Right? And that's number one. So <clears throat> God's design was for parents, for children to have parents. Again, I know it sounds obvious, but that this whole commandment assumes, right, when it says honor your parents, it assumes that you have parents who will basically die to themselves in order to nurture you. That's number one. And I hope parents, that would challenge you, right? Um, A lot more could be said there, but let's move on to number two. Number two is this. And let me share with you, this is one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. This is one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. Because Christianity, the Bible, acknowledges the world is not the way it's supposed to be. It is not the way it's supposed to be. And what I want to get at here is this, right? Um, No matter how much, especially Western individualism, talks about, like, you are your own person, You are the master of your own destiny, right? The reality is, and the gospel assumes this, that many of you in this room, even if, like, you remotely follow most of the statistical uh, data out there, right, you have not had the parents that God intended. See, the Bible does not shy away from this. You know, I know this as a pastor, and also just as someone, like I read a lot. I read a lot because, um, because I just don't know a lot, so I need to read a lot. And so let me uh, like approach it from at least two, uh, two perspectives. If you have a chance, right, read the best-selling memoirs, right? Over the past few years, some of them have been what? Uh, if you haven't had a chance, read Educated. This is a best-selling memoir. Or read um, Glass Castle. You know what's really interesting? When you read all these uh, memoirs, there's a theme that keeps coming up. You know what that theme is? Basically, like, no parent, and specifically, no father, right? It just keeps coming up. And all the memoirs, they talk about the devastating impact that this has on people. So when you read these memoirs, see, no matter what uh, popular philosophy states, you cannot escape the fact 
that your parents, for better or worse, right, have significantly shaped your life, right? And by the way, that's because you're normal. That's the way God designed it. But again, like, the Bible confronts the fact that this is not true for actually many of you. And let me just, uh, just in two, let me approach this from a more personal perspective where I talk about just at least two instances. There's a colleague of mine, and um, he was an orphan, and he has this really powerful story. He's Korean. And, um, you know, I asked him, what was it like, like to, I asked him, do you ever wish you knew your parents? And he said, no, I actually did know them. I was like, oh, really? And he has this really pointed story that when he was five, so I have kids, and I know it's like when he was five. So his memory is developed. He remembers things. He remembers his mom um, bought him a brand-new book bag, brand, a brand-new book bag, and said, we're going somewhere today. And he remembers this one detail because he was growing up in South Korea during this time, and during this time, South Korea was still a war-torn country. It was recovering from uh, the Korean War. And so back then, it was like unheard of for a child to have a, a bar of chocolate. And so he has this very pointed memory where <clears throat> inside the bag, he saw like a chocolate bar. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is a special day. And uh, he, he said that his mom and he, they were walking. And I asked him, so what was it like at home? He goes, we had such a happy family life. He goes, that's all I remember. And uh, they arrive at the orphanage. <clears throat> he doesn't know it's an orphanage. His mom drops him off, and he doesn't know what's going on. And then he remembers, like, she's walking away, and he just looks, and he's, like, waiting. He, he doesn't know. And he said it took him days to realize that basically his parents were gone. And he, by the way, was sharing this with me as a 55-year-old man. I think he's, like, 55, 56. What's very powerful is as he shares this story, you can almost see him become that five-year-old again. And he talks about how this experience like forever changed him. And there's this book. If you want a good book to read this summer, this is a heavy book, but it's so worth it. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's not a Christian book, but it's entitled uh, The Body Keeps the Score. It's an excellent book. Like, it doesn't matter if you don't read books. I would recommend this book, The Body Keeps the Score. And it's written by, you know, uh, someone from the medical field. And he says something really interesting. It's not just that you've had this experience. If and when you have these experiences, which I'm sure many of you in this room have had, right? Some of you, to be honest, you have the blessing. You grew up in a happy family, right? But if you live life, you know that's not the case for so many people. In this book, he actually talks about how literally your physiology, specifically your brain, changes, right, when you have these kind of traumatic experiences. And the reason why I'm saying all of this is because, you see, Christianity is really beautiful because it looks at reality the way it is. Jesus comes into this world, and he's like, I've come... Right? Not for the healthy, but for the sick. 
not for those who are whole, but for those who are broken. And you see, a big part of this in, in the gospel, it talks about how Jesus comes and he adopts us so that you and I could have the family and specifically so that we could have the father or the parent we never had. You see, that's why the Bible uses terms like redemption. It's saying, Jesus is literally coming to you and he's saying, listen, um, I know your mom abandoned you. I know your father abused you. I know he wasn't there to protect you. Um, we have this one man in our church. Oh, his story. Oh, I can't even tell it because you would see me cry and then I, I could never come back again. <laughs> so, but his story, I'll tell you just this much. For years, can you imagine this? And maybe some of you can. He said it was so hard to come to church. Do you know why? He said every time he would hear the phrase Father in Heaven, which happens like in every song, every passage, it broke him because of what his father did to him. He said there was such a visceral reaction that like it, church was so painful, just hearing Father in Heaven, Father in Heaven. For you, like it might be, it might conjure up images of a loving father, but for him, it conjures up like what his father was and wasn't. But you see, this is why, friends, like the gospel is so beautiful because Jesus comes and he doesn't say, well, you know, it's not a big deal. Or, like, you know, everything. No, Jesus comes and he says, sin is real. The world is broken. And you know that not just when you look at the news. Many of you know that just from your own lives. And that's why Christianity is so beautiful because we have a Savior who says, I know that this is true for many of you. And I also know that because of that, the good news is that if you trust in me, you now have a family, and now you have a father that you never had. And that's why, you know, we read this even today where it says, we're able to say, Abba, Father. And that is a really beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing, right? And so that's what the gospel does. The gospel uniquely acknowledges, right, your pain, and it not only acknowledges your pain, it says that someday all things will be made new. Now, a quick uh, image I want to give you here is this. Um, and I hope that this is helpful. Uh, I'm not really into paintings, <clears throat> but if ever I had a painting in my house, it would be this. Do you remember that night Jacob wrestles with God? It's a really great story. And then finally, you know, God lets him go. And God says, you're blessed, right? You're blessed. But do you notice that for the rest of Jacob's life, He's limping. He's limping. So you're like, he doesn't look blessed, but he is blessed. But he's still walking with a limp. Um, some people would say he's handicapped, but you get the idea, right? You see, friends, I want to encourage you that when you trust in Jesus, right, it won't, like, heal you fully. It won't. But that's why, even as we eat and drink today, Jesus talks about the day when he comes, and finally, right, you will be healed. And so the point of that is, you can believe that you are blessed and that you have been adopted. But that doesn't mean that all your wounds and scars will disappear, not in this life. And I hope that there's a realism to that that I hope is very encouraging to you. So moving on to the last point, right? Right? <clears throat> 
some quick applications here. So when it comes to honoring your parents, right, let me uh, just, just for the sake of time offer two things. The one is this. In order for you to honor your parents, to some degree, uh, you do need to, for some of you, you need to experience healing. And I say this because this is like, um, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting like, uh, point of tension. But one thing is you might want to, I know this sounds weird coming from a, like a preacher and in a sermon, but friends, I would be very open to therapy. No, no, you're like, this is about the fifth commandment. But yeah, like it is. But I want you to know that there is nothing shameful about getting therapy. And specifically, I would actually encourage you to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, not even a Christian counselor, right? Because, you know, especially psychiatrists are trained in ways that Christian uh, therapists are not. But the main point I want to offer to you is this. So when you look at this book, The Body Keeps the Score, he says something really interesting, right? He basically says that, you know, some people have this naive view that just give people a drug and they'll be much better. But one of the things he talks about is, no, that's not the case. For healing to take place, he says, think about what caused the harm in the first place. Usually the cause for many of um, our damage, mental illness and all that, was relational. And therefore, a lot of the healing has to be relational as well, which involves speaking. And so I want to suggest to you that there's nothing in the Bible that says you should... Trusting in Jesus doesn't mean you never take Tylenol. Does that make sense? Like, trusting in Jesus doesn't mean, like, uh, like Lord, uh, you'll take care of my taxes. No, like, you know, it's okay to see an accountant. For whatever reason, there's a lot of shame attached to, like, people who see a therapist, counselor, psychologist. And I want you to know that, like, there's no shame attached to it. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, so that's number one uh, for your healing. But number two is this. In 1 Timothy 5, the Apostle Paul, he says something which is very striking. Because he only says this maybe in one or two other places. He says something that's really hard. And he says this. If you are a Christian, if you count yourself a Christian, and if you, you don't take care of your mom and dad, you're not a Christian. If you have a chance, look at it. It's one of the few places he says, do you want to know how you're not a Christian? He basically says this. He says, well, this is one of the ways you know you're not a Christian. He says, in fact, you're not just not a Christian. He goes on to say, you're worse than an unbeliever. And he, he basically says, listen, if you are a Christian, this is what it means, right? Mom and dad should never have to worry about food, drink, shelter, and clothing. Right now, that doesn't mean you have to get like five star. You know, he's not saying that, but he's saying that's your calling. And some of you might feel like, well, you know what? They don't deserve it, man. Like the kind of parents they were, right? They don't deserve it. That might be your uh, reaction. And I would say to you, you're right. They don't deserve it. But that's why Paul says like. The way you know you're a Christian is the way you treat people who don't deserve your kindness because that's at the heart of the gospel. Who here can say, like, I deserved Jesus' death for me. I deserved his body being broken for me. I deserved his blood, right? And so this is why, friends, like, I think this commandment 
is still relevant to believers because more than maybe many of the other commandments, it really does bring home that question, right? Do you give people what they deserve, specifically the people that should have loved you, protected you, and cherished you, right? Or do you treat them the way that God has treated us and the way we now should act because we belong to the family of God? And friends, I want to be clear about this. Um, again, I, I said I, I gave the caveat like there's so much to be said here. I'm not suggesting in any way if your parents have abused you, you need to have a close relationship with them. I'm not saying that. Uh, and for some of you, you, you just may not be at a place where you are ready to do that, right? But what this commandment is teaching is that you are called to honor your parents. And notice, it doesn't qualify it. It doesn't say, honor them if you had good parents. Honor them if they deserve it. It says, honor them because this is what God has designed for us to do. And um, you will find, you know, if I can close with this, in the process, right, of trying to do that, a lot of things will surface, right? But perhaps the thing that will surface the most is your need for grace to, to the degree that you realize you have received grace, so too will you be able to show grace even to the people who may deserve it the least in your life. Okay, and so I wanted to encourage you in this way. Um, again, I know it's a difficult message, but I hope that it has provided some comfort to you. The good news is that Jesus knows we live in a world where things are not the way they're supposed to be. And that means that many of you have suffered you know, at the hands of those who were meant to protect you and who were meant to provide for you, right? But the beauty of the gospel is that not only has Jesus given us a new family and a new father, but he has also said, and we can still make the world a better place by giving to people the grace that we have first received at the cross, okay? Let me pray for us. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father in heaven, I pray for these friends. Um, I have no idea what their lives are like, what has happened, um, but I'm sure that there is at least one person in this room, at least one person in this room, that has, uh, that has suffered deeply and profoundly because of his or her parents. I'm sure of that. Um, and maybe there are some people in this room, parents in particular, who feel a sense of guilt as they think about whether they have been um, neglecting their own children. But um, yeah, as our worship leader uh, shared today, we need to be convicted by sin but not drown in sin either uh, because of the grace of the gospel. And so I pray for uh, these friends if there are deep wounds, I pray that this good news that God has adopted us into his family and he has given us the ordinary means of counseling and therapy so that even in this life we can begin to experience some healing. I pray that that would be true. And I, I pray that parents would know as well that their high calling is to be good parents. And so we pray that in all of this messiness, uh, grace would empower us to give people what they don't deserve because that is at the heart of the gospel. We have received what
what we don't deserve. And by giving to people what they don't deserve, including our parents, we really show forth Jesus and the glory of the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen.